Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Let's start then with the House Intelligence Committee today. This is big. This is a big deal because uh, we're going to find out today uh, answers to some important questions. Um, is there any evidence at all to support Donald Trump's claim that he was wiretapped by Barack Obama? Let's shoot that down. Um, is the FBI was the FBI doing any surveillance at the time because of contacts between members of the Trump team and Russian officials? Uh, If so, who were those Trump people? Who were they talking to and what were they talking talking about? Is the is in fact the FBI still conducting an investigation into possible collusion between the Trump team uh, and Russian officials? And again, if so, who was involved? Uh, and if there's any evidence of that collusion, what are the consequences? What if they prove that the that the Trump team was trying to help the Russians throw the election? What are the consequences that, uh, of that? What is the price that's going to have to be paid? They're going to have to pay. And again, so you got the two things, both, and they're both linked. Is Trump telling the truth about the wiretapping? And is there anything, is there really any fire there between all behind all the smoke about connections between members of the Trump team and Russian officials, including Russian intelligence officials? Again, while this is going on, um, Donald Trump continues to double down on this, even though nobody supports him. Here he is talking about, um, again, Sean Spicer is the one in reading a whole list of news articles on Thursday that he said confirmed that there was surveillance of people working at Trump Tower. Uh, among those he listed was a comment by Andrew Napolitano, the judge, you see on Fox and Friends uh, in the morning, uh, that uh, that we didn't do it. The Brits did it. Donald Trump is asked about it at the news conference by a German reporter. Of course, they never call him at those news conferences. On America. Any American reporter is going to ask a tough question. And Donald Trump says, hey, don't blame me. Blame Fox. All we did was, quote, a certain uh, very talented legal mind who was the one responsible for saying that on television. I didn't make an opinion on it. That was a statement made by a very talented lawyer on Fox. And so you shouldn't be talking to me. You should be talking to Fox. Oh, yes. Well, we did talk to Fox. And in fact, minutes later, Shep Smith, who's on the air at the time, says, don't blame us, dude. Fox News cannot confirm Judge Napolitano's commentary. 
Fox News knows of no evidence of any kind that the now President of the United States was surveilled at any time in any way. Full stop. Full, Full stop. stop. I love that, right? <laughs> Just, uh-uh. No, dude. It's not us. We're not putting that out there. No, sir. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's it, well, One of our guys did, Andrew Napolitano, <laughs> but this network does not, does not stand behind it. Full uh, stop. Full Get stop. Ass. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, uh, Trump continues, and the best he could do when he was asked about the wiretap was saying this this joke, which I'll tell you, went fell flat with Angela Merkel. The look on her face when Trump said this was priceless. As far as uh, wiretapping, I guess, by, you know, this past administration, at least we have something in common, perhaps. Angela Merkel looks at him and says, basically, how dare you? Right. Oh, yes. And by the way, that was that, that was that that happened. Her. We know her cell phone was tapped. Yeah. And it was uh, it was part of the overreach of the NSA that Barack Obama supported. And we condemned at the time. And I was in the Rose Garden when she stood alongside of Barack Obama in their joint news conference and she let him have it, and yeah. she she was asked about it, and she said this does not happen between friends, and uh, and this was outrageous. And I mean, she didn't she didn't hold back. So it's, she does not find that to be a <clears throat> funny funny subject uh, at all. Again, looking for a lot of answers from Comey today, and of course, I know I feel the same way you do. I can hear it right now. I know everybody, you're listening, you're watching, you're saying, Bill, how can we trust Comey? Well, I'm not sure we can. We'll find out today, I guess, is the answer. Certainly, he uh, went way overboard and totally abused his power uh, when he conducted this investigation, that investigation into Hillary's emails, when he said there was found out, when they discovered there was absolutely nothing in those emails, he still went out of a way, out of her his way, to hold this news conference, attacking the way she... Uh, conducted herself at the State Department, and then, even worse, two weeks before the election, reopens the investigation, and then right before the election said they didn't find anything over and over again. No, with that background, we all have our suspicions about James Comey. Yeah. Rightfully so. But I would just say uh, this is the time for Comey to redeem himself, and there's a lot of pressure uh, uh, on it. And I think... uh, uh, I've got great confidence in Adam Schiff, our friend from uh, California. He's been here in the studio with us. Adam, known him a long time, where he said that he thinks we will find out from Comey today um, that um, it's time for Donald Trump just to drop this charge and apologize. And, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Susan Collins, but I have to differ with her on this. Uh, she said we need to get to the bottom of this. We are is at there any the bottom? bottom. We are there at the is bottom. nothing at the bottom. Uh, Director Comey say that definitively tomorrow? Do you uh, I expect? expect that he will, and I, I hope we can put an end to this wild goose chase. Yep, once and for all. CNN is calling it the most consequential week so far of the Trump presidency, with hearings today starting uh, hearings starting today for the confirmation of Neil Gorsuch. Uh, for the Supreme Court, big vote on Trump Care on or Ryan Care, whatever you want to call it, on Thursday, and also 
uh, testimony, public testimony today in front of the House Intelligence Committee by FDI, FBI Director James Comey. What can we expect? Alana Shore covers Congress for Politico and joins us in studio. Hi, Alana. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having Let's me. Let's start with uh, Gorsuch, Senate Judiciary Committee. How's it look? Uh, well, so far, it looks like Neil Gorsuch is going to, you know, wow the Republicans and possibly give the Democrats very little to hang a sustained opposition on. Uh, folks have been digging through his record, and certainly the more liberal members of the Senate Dem- Democratic Caucus have found things to dislike. But it, it may take some more to, you know, successfully filibuster him. Right. Uh, do they need 60 votes in the end or 51? 60. At this point, right? Yes, and that's that's very important because this is the only type of nominee for which the 60-vote margin remains in place. Right. So um, what are the issues on which um, uh, Richard Blumenthal from uh, Connecticut was asked about this yesterday in one of the Sunday shows. Uh, he mentioned specifically Roe v. Wade. Uh, here's Senator Blumenthal. Are you prepared to potentially filibuster? Not only filibuster, but use every tool that we have if he is, in fact, out of the mainstream in that way. Let's remember, we're talking about respect for a well-established, long-accepted precedent. Roe v. Wade certainly fits that description. And that kind of of out-of-the-mainstream thinking will cause me to filibuster and use every tool that I have at my disposal. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, we know where Gorsuch is on Roe v. Wade. He wouldn't be nominated if he hadn't passed the litmus test, which Donald Trump said was his one and only test for any nominee to the Supreme Court, correct? Very true. But we also know that Gorsuch told at least one Democratic senator that he would think twice before, you know, reopening Roe proactively based on respect for precedent. So there mm-hmm. are different shades of that opinion. Right. Uh are there other big issues that the Democrats have have, have you know grabbed onto? Well, his certainly his work for George or... W. Bush, which was 14 months in about 2005, 2006, when he worked on detainee and terrorism policy for the Justice Department, and you know that included a lot of work on Guantanamo Bay, a lot of work on treatment of suspects. Definitely expect that to come up. Right. What are the the paths for Democrats? I mean, when you look at whether or not they could stop this. How how are they going to do it? I genuinely believe, and this is just my hunch based on reporting, you know, Chuck and I don't mm. chat on that <laughs> level. I, I genuinely believe Schumer wants to read how his caucus feels after mm. these hearings. I know I know that's like not common among politicians, but I think he knows what's at stake on both ends. I think he knows how angry the left would be if they don't at least try. And I think he knows the real risk that, you know, a lot of his caucus members are institutionalists. So is McConnell. You're basically pushing the institutionalists to the edge of a cliff they don't really want to go off. Is there any um, Merrick Garland blowback for Gorsuch? I mean, certainly on a personal level for these Democratic senators there is. But I think pretty much everybody else working on this recognizes that, you know, voters have trouble processing that. It's like, the average voter, even a committed Democratic voter, and polling bears this out, like, remembers yeah. Merrick Garland, but they're not about to say, well, based on Merrick Garland, you've We're got to block not going to vote for you. Yeah, right. Um, the other, the issue that um, that, I, that I, I read that some Democrats are, I don't know how they exactly approach this or, or articulate this in their questions or whatever, but they're looking, they're, they want to test any sense of independence on the part of Gorsuch, whether or not 
as a judge, he'd be capable of making a decision that did not agree with Donald Trump, for example, the man who appointed him. Certainly. I think that's going to be a major theme. And in the backdrop will be the travel ban, because senators are pretty convinced that if yeah. he's confirmed within the year, possibly he'll have to rule on this. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that's one where already we've had several court decisions saying that the first the first travel ban and the second uh, do not pass constitutional muster. So could he actually rule, uphold that those lower court rulings. Absolutely. And one other thing which is super nerdy, but which your listeners should keep an ear out for, is Chevron deference, which is this idea that federal agencies have the power to to regulate uh, based on sort of their own internal decisions. Chevron deference has been the key to things like the EPA's Clean Power Plan, and mm-hmm. Gorsuch is a noted mm-hmm. skeptic. Um, it would take, as far as I know, although I unfortunately am not a lawyer, legislation to overturn it. But if Gorsuch doesn't really put much stock in it in general, it will certainly influence his decisions on agency power. Even Scalia backed Chevron deference, didn't he? Yes. In in that famous EPA ruling. Yes. It's a big reason why people call Gorsuch to the right of Scalia. Oof. Wow. Yeah. So they don't want just somebody who who would follow, who would be another Scalia. They want somebody who would out-Scalia Scalia. Yeah. On this issue, I mean, of course, I mean, there's a reason that each senator gets more than half an hour for their questions here. We're yeah. going to find yeah. out a lot that we don't know. OK, so um, they start the first hearing is today. How many hearings do they have and when do they vote? Um, when they vote remains a moving target, because as you heard Senator Blumenthal say, Democrats yeah, have right. some leverage Correct. to stave okay. this off by a week, maybe more. I would say probably not more than a week after this concludes. Um, it's expected that they would vote on Thursday. There's going to be, you know, one full day, one long 15-hour day of 30-minute rounds of questioning each. That will be tomorrow. Today will be taken up by opening statements. Right. Uh, and then Wednesdays, there'll be panels of people yes. who Wednesday, ex- yes. express their support and their opposition from different organizations. And then maybe vote as early as Thursday or start the voting process maybe as early as Thursday. That's I the guess. plan. Okay. And and Wednesday sounds like a perfunctory exercise. But, you know, as Clarence Thomas <laughs> has shown us, oftentimes it's the panels of people who know these justices who provide the, the biggest insights. Mm-hmm. Uh, your hunch, your guess covering the Congress, does he get confirmed? Yes. I, I believe he gets around 61 to 63 votes. Probably not 61, because then it's that you know couple people who really stuck their neck out. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> All right. Now, that yeah, may I happen. Think. That may happen after he's successfully filibustered once. I yeah. mean, it's really could go either way. Uh, one source described it to me last week as it's like flipping a coin that lands on its side and it's wobbling right oh, now. Right. Huh. As to whether they block and then what McConnell does. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Neil King here is with us for um, this uh, next uh, half hour. 
Uh, and we we learned a lot over the weekend, Neil. We learned uh, that uh, Kellyanne Conway has a Secret Service protection, and her code name is Blueberry. Blueberry. Yes, there huh. you go. Uh, Olivia Nuzzi's, um profile in New York Magazine. Right, Peter, isn't it? Yeah, New York Mag. New York Mag. I'd be interested. You know, my wife worked in the last White House, and it's it's a matter of decision, really, as to what sort of level of all that you want. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling, but it's not based on scientific knowledge, that this administration has weighed heavily on all that, in part kind of like a vanity thing. I mean, for one, I don't know about your observations, but it seems to me that uh, Pence and Trump himself, like the level of... <laughs> Security, like how they close down the city when those guys move, is way beyond what happened under Biden or Obama. Like they shut down all of Connecticut Avenue when Pence like comes back and forth. Yeah, um, it's really it's a strange thing. Which I I don't know. I don't know whether that's a they've enforced a new standard or whether the Secret Service has some higher degree of caution or fear or what. But it's it's an odd. Thing. I don't know if you've noticed that at all. But uh, I have. Yeah. Uh, and I also think the level of protection, meaning the number who are covered by Secret Service, the president can ask for that, like for certain aides. Right. And uh, I mean, I always had a problem, frankly. Uh, and during the Obama administration, that Valerie Jarrett had Secret Service protection. Well, uh, she uh, Conway considered herself to be the co-equal, right? She's in her same office, and yes. yeah, um, so uh, and I I wouldn't be surprised considering that she has made known uh, she knows all of the previous inhabitants of her office, going all the way back to Hillary Clinton when she had that office when she was there in the nineties. Um, that she's also said, "I want exactly the same level of protection that my predecessor had." Right, you know, as a status and, thing more than anything. And speaking of level of, of, of levels of protection, uh, the president just uh, came back last evening from his fifth weekend at Mar-a-Lago, um, which, uh, according to the Washington Post, is costing us three million dollars a week a weekend. It's, yeah, no, it's amazing. It's, Could you imagine if you had any coworker, <laughs> not much less the president of the United States, a boss or whatever, that left every Friday, or maybe occasionally on a Saturday morning? To go to his house in a distant part of the country to play golf and to, and to loiter or linger around at his, like, mansion in South Florida. Like, how odd that would be just in its own right, much it, less the president of the United States doing that every weekend. Yeah. And did you notice, by the way, because originally they were, they started referring to it as the Winter White House. Did you notice that la- the end of last week they started calling it the Southern White House? Because yeah. – they know damn well that they're going to keep going there even when it's nice in Washington, D.C. It's not just the Winter White House. They're going to be going there all the time. Yeah. Uh, which leads to a question, though, because David Jackson, USA Today, told me at the White House that Mar-a-Lago closes in the summer uh, and that it's not open in the summer. So he thinks he'd be going to the, what is it, Benford, Bedford or whatever in New right. Jersey. I, I've got to double check. We've got to double check that. But at any rate, he's going to be going to one of his clubs. Uh, at, at which we, again, we pay for the protection. But you mentioned that he's playing golf. That's the other thing that I right. find very annoying or uh, uh, bizarre, too. They won't confirm. He goes to the golf course. He spends se- he spends seven hours, seven and a half hours between Saturday and Sunday at his own golf course, and they won't tell us that he played golf. Well, why not? Yeah. Because <laughs> On Saturday, they, they, they put out this thing of what his, the president's day it consisted of, with it totally omitting the fact that he had played 18 holes of golf. On Saturday. Yeah. He's he played has, golf, I think, 11 times now. Right. Yeah. Which is just He's on mind. track to play golf more often than Barack Obama. And I guess he doesn't want us to know because he because of all the criticisms of Obama during the campaign. 
right? Well, yeah, which he himself was a part of all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. No, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. He yeah. personally criticized him. I'm saying, I'm not going to be playing golf. I'm going to be working for you, right? No, I played. And you know what? I don't care if he plays golf. Yeah. Frankly. Fine. I played golf not that long ago with Peter, and I can testify oh. that he does not play golf that often. I don't play golf very often. No. I, did, I, still, I, did, I still did win, though. I did win, remember? Oh, well, it was oh, a, okay. But to be fair, it was a tie. It was yeah. a Daniel and I well, tied. Oh, well, I don't know. He. he <laughs> He had a lot of amazing shots and a lot of bad shots. I had a lot of uh, bad both shots. too as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, no one, neither one of us, should be playing out in public with like polite company. Uh, no, Peter, Peter, and Peter and I have played golf in the past, but not for a long time. Yeah, let's go. All right, let's do it. Come on, here's a threesome right, yeah, right here. Right. Let's, let's call Donald. See, if he... <laughs> <laughs> we need a four. All right, you talked about uh, you mentioned this week. This week coming up. Last week, first of all, was a killer for Donald Trump, right? When you yeah. think about his uh, Muslim ban, number two, shot yes. down, yeah. right? Still didn't have the votes for for uh, health care. He's got the disastrous visit with Angela Merkel. Yeah, which, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, pissed off the Brits by accusing them of spying on, on Trump Tower. And it's just got... The budget. I mean, just that the Mulvaney uh, yeah. thing at the White House where he talked about now, of course, they've retracted the wheels on meals on wheels and all that. Well, but that in itself, the budget was just mind-boggling. You know, they haven't really retracted. He says, no, we're not cutting meals and wheels. But 35% of the funding for meals and wheels comes from a combination of HHS and HUD, and they cut both of those agencies, 18% and 15%. Yeah. They're going to have to do cuts across the board. Some of those cuts are going to come from Meals and Wheels. They may not admit it. You know, It's not like they target it and say you have to cut this, but Meals and Wheels is going to lose a lot of its federal funding. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk a lot Everything about— Everything that makes any sense is almost. Yeah. I still don't quite understand. He kept making the Mulvaney making the argument that this is what the American people who supported Donald Trump voted for, mm -hmm. which was a rearranging of the discretionary budget to put all this money into defense spending, particularly in some amount into border right, security, right. and to then take away money from all these like brass tax things that n normal people need and rely on a lot. And now, of course, a lot of these same people, Trump voters, are realizing, wait, that's, that's something that I have or my, my mother uses or my daughter uses. Right. I mean, yeah. part of what he talked about when he talked about the military on the campaign trip was like taking care of our veterans. we got to take care of our veterans. And that was a big talking point for him. Meals on Wheels serves 500,000 veterans a year. Yeah. It, it, that's just a fact. And I know that he wants to be big on military and act like he's strong on military, but like the military is not asking for all this money that he's given them. Hmm. So it's just like wasting and money, the, and we have no idea how that fifty-four million would be spent. A billion, yeah, billion, it's all billion. Billion. yeah we have billion. no idea where it's going. Yeah. It's also the most wasteful part of government, which anybody that spent time in the Pentagon would tell you that and acknowledge that they've been trying to get a control over all these programs for years, mm -hmm. and now it's like here's fifty-four billion dollars more to spend on all these various things. Yeah, um, no, I know. And the thing about the Meals on Wheels. Things you put it out there, and then we talk about Mar-a-Lago or the fact that which of his children were in Aspen this last weekend, and they said there were a hundred Secret Service people protecting them. Mm. The whole Melania spending her weeks in New York and how much that's costing. Just this extraordinary, like just the upkeep of the family itself. If you were to compare that to what Meals on Wheels, what how many people you could feed on Meals, it doesn't become a very good comparison, Yeah, good side-by-side. Side. I mean, it's damaging. You mentioned Mick Mul Mulvaney. Uh, the thing that got me is what he said about uh, the West Virginia coal miners, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, here he is at the briefing the other day. 
When you start looking at the places that will reduce uh, spending, one of the questions we asked was, can we really continue to ask a coal miner in West Virginia or a single mom in Detroit to pay for these programs? The answer was no. We can ask them to pay for defense, and we will, but we can't ask them to continue to pay for the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Sure, sure. Do you think he's ever talked to a coal miner in West Virginia or a, a single mother in Detroit? I mean, as if you go to them and say, no, we don't care. You can take everything else away as long as you're giving money to the Met Pentagon. We're happy. Yeah, that, that's where I want my money. And besides, as an OMB director in charge yeah, of, yeah, management, right. of managing of the budget, you might think he would have some idea of what sort of taxes people pay. No single mom in Detroit pays any taxes, for one, federal taxes. There's <laughs> right. no taxes going to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I mean, you have to hit a certain standard of wealth in order to be paying federal taxes that amount to anything. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, whole, the whole thing is preposterous, but, you know, making that argument, but, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I checked last night the Charleston, West Virginia Gazette just did a blistering article on that whole comment about the the total budget for the uh, West Virginia Humanities Council is something like one and a half million dollars, right? Half of it comes from the feds. But with that, they have so many school programs and dance programs and music programs in every county yeah. in West Virginia. I mean, they, they, they appreciate those, but they use those programs. And it's such a small little bit of money, right, that they would cut out saying, well, these coal miners aren't interested in that, right? No, I mean, there's a, a variety of forces, clearly, that are eroding this young president's popularity. It's already down now to 70, uh, sorry, 37% in Gallup, right? Right. Uh, the lowest that in, of all the presidents mm -hmm. that we've seen in our lifetime, I think none has gone below 35 and, and Obama went, I think he only went to 38. And that, of course, but took that, years to get to 38. I was going to say, that was yeah. not in the first two months of yeah. his presidency. Yeah, he, was, he, is he was up in the 60s, wasn't he? It's, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. In terms of approval rating at this time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just the fact that close to 60% of the country disapproves of this president. Uh, I mean, and, you know, wherever this health care thing goes, even if they, uh, you were talking about it in the first hour, but, you know, if they manage to get this through the House, uh, the likelihood of them getting it through the Senate isn't great. But even if they were to have the victory of prevailing with this thing that they're wrestling with now, even that victory could be disastrous, right? I mean, in terms of the actual implementation of this thing. But that's, you know, a, that, you know. that's the thing. Like when I talked about this last week a little bit, this is why Barack Obama, which he had plenty of shortcomings as a president, but that's why this Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, was so smart because any effort to repeal it or change it there's really only one way to go with it because it was a conservative yeah. plan. The only way you can make this better and stronger is to make it a more progressive plan. Single payer. It, but that's the only way that you can change it to make people happier. If you start taking away health care from people, can you imagine? That's well, the one thing you can't do as a politician in this town is take away things from someone that you've already given them. Well, and that's they, what yeah. they're talking about. I mean, here. what they should be doing, which is what we have done traditionally throughout our legislative history, is look at existing legislation and look to improve it. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, what should Repair. we do? Repair. Fix yeah. it. Yeah. Even Obama was saying. Of course. It. it needs a lot of different uh, fixes, adjustments. Um, just on your point, Peter, Charles Krauthammer, as conservative as you can get, um, no friend of mine, but he said, you know, that the Republicans don't realize once there are programs in place and they've been there for years, you cannot point. You cannot just take away Social Security. They wouldn't think about taking away Medicare. Only Paul Ryan would think about 
yeah. Medicare or Medicaid. I mean, George Bush learned when he messed with Social Security, right? He backed away from that very pretty pretty fast. And the same thing now with Obamacare, I would add to that list, having been around for seven years. But on the on the insurance thing, I just wanted to play this. Hey, Jamie, this is the very first clip from uh, Donald Trump saying about insurance companies. He just says this stuff. But, yes, he does just say yeah, stuff. Right. <laughs> no, nothing to back it up. Here he is about the way insurance companies are going to act now. You can have bidding by insurance companies like you've never seen before. Plans are going to come out like nobody's ever seen before. Plans that nobody's even thought of now are going to be devised by insurance companies to take care of people. I mean, this idea, yeah. right, that you remove all these restrictions on insurance companies and what they have to include in their plans, that they're automatically, on their own, they're going to come up with better plans and everybody's going to have access to them and everybody's going to be able to afford them. It is just absolutely nonsense. If you remember back nonsense. in 2008 when these two guys ran for president and the healthcare system was amazing shape back then when the healthcare Oh, uh, yeah, the health right. insurance industries could do anything that they wanted, and all these amazing things were being put forward. I mean, right? How long had we been debating before Obamacare came up about how to fix the U.S. healthcare system to make it better and to make sure that there weren't tens of millions of people that weren't insured? And is this fix perfect? No, not even remotely uh, perfect. But the idea that you just all you have to do is sort of get rid of this thing, and all you know, a thousand flowers will bloom. Right. Um, you know, just take away, get, get government out of the way. You know, help help competition. And if this does pass, I don't know how long it will take. I my predict it'd be less than a year before we're going to see that insurance companies are in fact charging people more money for less coverage and crappier plans. Yeah. And dropping them and putting caps back on, and we're going to go right. We'll be right back to where we were eight years ago. Yeah, there will in the end emerge a public option, very much, very likely even under where they're heading now. As they they need to expand, they're going to realize that they're going to need to expand Medicaid and Medicare for them. And there'll be some big thing that that all these people that have to have some health care, health insurance, are going to be put on. Um, that'll probably be the outcome of what the Republicans find themselves. Annie Linsky joins us from the uh, Boston Globe. Hi, Annie. How are you? Hi. Um, Boston Globe. Yeah. I can't have you in without asking. So how is uh, the 2020 election campaign for Elizabeth Warren going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, you know, it's... It, she, I'm a, I'm a longtime close Elizabeth Warren watcher. I feel like I can say that at this point. Yeah, and I know. Um, she, so she has a new strategy with the media, which I think is mm. fu further fueling the 2020 rumors and, and speculation. She's been very, typically been very closed off with the media. I'm mm -hmm. sure all of you guys yep. have had. Oh, this I know experience. we've had our. Yeah, um, but <laughs> we suddenly, talked to her once during the campaign. We yeah. haven't talked to her since. No. Well, you should try again because she is now um, doing more interviews. Um, she's, I mean, she actually called me recently completely out of the blue just to sort of catch up. She was the Globe's guest at one of these dinners, these Washington dinners that we recently had after she'd, she'd always said no to that. And she is mm. coming out of her, her shell a little bit more, which, you know, it, she is up for re-election in, in Massachusetts, so there's that. But I, I also think it's about, um, you know, I, I, I believe her team saw how Clinton handled the media and maybe has taken some lessons from that. Um, but she's certainly, her, 
her um her strategy there is changing quite a bit. Do you bit. think it's a given that she runs at this point in 2020? Yes, yeah. I do. I mean, I think that she really did want to run. I think she came very close to running um, in 16, and I would imagine she regrets that decision. Um, you know, yep. after seeing how well Bernie Sanders did, and I, I think there that would have been a very—I mean, who knows what what would have happened? Um, but I, I do, I do think that that is her intention right now. Um, so I was sort of chuckling last night when uh, Chelsea Clinton's—the name of Chelsea Clinton's book came out. Um, she persisted, sort of stealing from Elizabeth Warren's thunder um, at that that moment on the Senate floor, and it's just—you know—the Clintons flirted with. Elizabeth Warren. Um, if, if, if we can just stop yeah. you right there, okay. just to be sure that everybody remembers. As I recall, it was Mitch McConnell, yeah, Mitch McConnell, yes, who was talking about Elizabeth Warren when he shut her up, told her to shut up or su- shut her down, yes, and said she was warned, but she pers- nevertheless she persisted. Nevertheless, she persisted. Right. Yeah. So it was said by Mitch McConnell about Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Chelsea Clinton has stolen that and applied it to. Her mother, correct? Her, a children's book that she is publishing now to sort of burnish her own um, right. reputation as a... But, but, but doesn't the book tell stories of women who strong, persisted? Yes. Including? I don't know if her mom's... In, is it? I, I, I don't, don't know. And I'm not sure. It's like Harriet Tubman. It's all the usual. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it's... I mean, this is... A, it, it's somebody who's oh, watched I thought, these... I thought Hillary was in it for sure. We'll have to check. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. I mean, I... You know, having watched the way that the the, the the Warren people were sort of dismissed by the Clinton people during the campaign, yeah. um, it's just certainly a, a, a change, um, which I think also goes to the, these presidential ambitions. I mean, I think Warren is going to have to embrace that Clinton wing and be welcoming. I mean, you'll, you certainly won't hear her complaining about Chelsea's appropriation of her moment. And I will say that Mitch McConnell moment on the Senate floor, that was not like something that McConnell accidentally said. I mean, Warren's team very carefully plotted that moment. And McConnell, I think, overreacted to it, playing right into their hands. But that was something that the um, Warren people were aware could happen and were were. That was a created moment, and so that to me also it makes it that much crazier that Chelsea Clinton, of all people, is going to swoop in and try to like grab it for herself. She was speaking about remind me right. um a Coretta Scott King. She um, the letter uh, about Jefferson. the letter she was reading the yeah, right. yeah. yeah Jefferson yes and and it is yeah. true um yeah. Elizabeth oh, War- yeah. Warren had been warned privately by um, Mitch McConnell's people that if she were to continue to say things like this on the on the floor of the Senate, she would be stopped. And so there was that private warning and she did do it anyway because they were, you know, they were trying to draw and have have that big moment, which occurred beyond their wildest dreams. But, you know, to take that kind of that that um, strategic thinking, you know, and and for the Clintons to try to just like latch onto it, I just I, I find it amusing. Yeah, right. The book, by the way, pays tribute to 13 American women who changed the course of history. They include Harriet Tubman, Claudette Colvin, Oprah Winfrey, Sonia Sotomayor, and yes, there is a cameo from a certain female presidential candidate that's going to be in the book. Oh, mm. 
Cameo. Oh. Cameo. So Hillary Clinton will make an appearance. So was Democrats this... are really going to do this, by the way. They're really going to do something as stupid as run Chelsea Clinton for something. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. Is, is Warren in the book, just out of curiosity? I just... Oh, you know what? It doesn't say. Uh, no, okay. She might I mean, be, but I don't. I would really her doubt out. Yeah, I think that she just took that right. and left her out. The Parting Shot. With Bill Press, this is The Bill Press Show. Well, starting with the size of the crowd that showed up on Inauguration Day, we've heard a lot of lies out of President Donald Trump so far. But this week we heard a couple of great big new lies. First, that his budget is an American first budget. And second, that his budget shows compassion. Liar, liar, pants on fire. What the White House put out is not an American first budget. It's a Pentagon first budget, Americans last, which pumps $54 billion more into military hardware, which we don't need, and cuts every single program that millions of Americans do depend on, including health care, medical research, after-school programs, and yes, even Meals on Wheels. Quote, we can't spend money on programs just because they sound good said OMB Director Mick Mulvaney in defending cuts to Meals on Wheels and other programs in the name of compassion. You know, Mulvaney's the biggest liar of all. Meals on Wheels doesn't just sound good. It does good. Today, there are 5,000 local community-based Meals on Wheels programs that serve a total of 2.4 million seniors and disabled people, including 500,000 veterans every day with one or two hot meals. Yes, they're funded by local dollars, state dollars, and volunteer contributions, but 35% of their funding comes from the federal government from either HHS or HUD, both of which are cut in the Trump budget and both of which will have to trim programs across, across the board, including Meals on Wheels. And guess what? Most of those cuts will come in rural counties among older white Americans the majority of whom voted for Donald Trump. But you know what? Now that he's in the White House, he doesn't care. His proposed budget just throws more money at the Pentagon and gives the rich another big tax cut while he screws the poor and the middle class. This is The Bill Press Show.